London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible. Live from Southern California, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for a new episode of Kings of the Podcast. Buckle up, here we go! Welcome back, Kings of the Podcast, Episode 9, The Mayor. John Hoven sitting here alongside, as always, Dennis Bernstein, DB. What's up? It's a time for another great episode, John. Great uh, to be with you, and uh, let's do it. We're going to drop a special episode on everybody here. No one's expecting this. Surprise episode just Surprise coming a couple episode. days. Yeah. Let's go. Right yeah. after uh, our most recent episode, which is uh, sending, it's just the, the traffic's gone through the roof. So uh, let's get after it here, DB. Uh, we're going to hit the LA Kings road trip. We're going to talk about some prospects. We're going to talk about uh, some NHL headlines, kind of clean out the notebook stuff yep. that we weren't able to get to earlier this week. But first, I just want to ask you, reaction to the Dustin Penner episode, you've had a couple days to you know, not only see what the fans are saying online about it, but also just to think about all of the myriad of things that we talked about. And what are, what are some of the takeaways from that Dustin Penner episode for you? Um Brilliant booking by you. Just amazing. <laughs> Besides that. And, and and not only that, it's good to see Dustin Penner doing well. Yes. Right? You know, it's like my expectations, like what's going on with him and stuff like that. The weed sellers thing. It was great. A great storyteller. Um, Got to have him back at some point, man. I think it's it's mandatory at this point in time. Great reaction. What a great storyteller. I mean, and a funny, a legitimately funny guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it was one of the things that I thought about after. Was, wow, there was so much stuff we left on the table. Yeah. We could have done a whole other hour with him. And he could was have, basically, easily. he was the, the first time we've ever had a co-host with us. Yeah. Third man in the booth, That's if you true. will. It's always been 15 or 20 minutes right. in one period, but well worth it. And just the reaction from the fans, it's just, the stories. And you know, it's such a huge body of work. He was in the league for, what, 10 years or 12 years. So to have all those stories and different teams and the Edmonton days and people telling him he sucked at dinner is just... It was just fantastic. It's so great get by you, and I'm sure Dustin will be uh, willing to come back on and talk with us at some point. It is amazing to think about. I think it's one of the things that we don't think about is is what these guys go through off the field Truly. or off the ice. You know, we all just talk about the stats and the games and the goals and all that sort of stuff. But right. these are real human beings. He talked about going through a divorce. We know some of the Kings players were married recently and had babies, and right. there are real life issues that are taking place off the ice that these guys have to deal with. And to be out at dinner. And to have fans talking to you like that, it's just it's it's ridiculous, first it ridiculous. of all. But it's it also just goes to show you how difficult it is to be a professional athlete. And I know with the millions of dollars they're making, nobody is crying for them, but right. it is a challenge. It's not as easy as it looks. I think the problem is, John, is that we're in the toil out of life here. Like this is not serious stuff. This is stuff that you escape from your day to day stuff and, and maybe the frustration of dealing with that when you go out and you have a rough day and your team stinks, then what where's your where's your outlet? Where's your emotional outlet? But again, you have to respect what these guys do. These mm-hmm. guys are putting their lives on the line at some point in time mm-hmm. to do this for you, to entertain you. And they're providing a service. So yeah, I think that's it's not called for, but just people just 
you know, John, it's, I think it's just a symptom of the society today is that, you know, people have less and less respect as we get uh, older. Oh, for sure. And not only that, but also just look at some of the things that people are willing to say online. You know, I think it's great that players like Penner have a social media presence, something that we Agreed. talked about. But then you look at some of the replies and the things that people are willing to say because they can hide behind their keyboard. Yep. It's terrible. I mean, it really is. It's, it. well, it's I mean, one of the reasons I like been, blocking people, DB. Yeah, <laughs> we've been subject to it. But I can imagine being a professional athlete and having to deal with that stuff. So it's, it's, it's very, very difficult. But, uh, Again, I, I just think his, his transparency with respect to his life and what he went through and being the ability to tell stories and have the sense of humor about it, I think is a, a really great thing to see, have, uh, to have Dustin Penner still uh, around and be able to tell the stories. Yeah, fantastic. One of those players who, um, you know, so many of the stories on Mayor's Manor are about true, true L.A. Kings. Like, well, we start at the prospect level, so guys that are drafted and then right. come up through the system, we have a whole body of work. Here's a player who was traded to the L.A. Kings. Yep. And fortunately, he and I just hit it off right from day one. From and we had one. a kind of mania coming we, through. We had a phenomenal uh, a bank of stories that we that we were able to do over a very short period of time. He was not in L.A. No. very long. And there probably are more Dustin Penner articles on Mayor's Manor than maybe any other uh, single individual player. And it's great. Like one story where he had players here vouch for him. Yeah. On the trade. I'm like, okay, I guess that does happen. And you have people vouch for each other. So, but yeah, it's just a brotherhood of people still see that, that he's still connected to the game. And even though it didn't end well for him and that he's not totally sour on, on talking about the game and, and, and talking about the players he played with. All right. So I, I don't want to say enough about Dustin Penner, but let's transition because yeah. more Penner is better. Uh, more totally. of him, less of us would be great, but <laughs> let's move on here. Some random headlines just to get to. Interesting point, going back to the October 17th game against Buffalo, uh, uh, DB, I don't know yeah. if you know this, but every Kings player, including the goaltender, every Kings player had a shot on goal. That was the first time in 50-plus years in franchise history, every player, including Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell had a shot on goal? That's that's what the PR department said. Wow. Yes, every player had a shot on goal. <laughs> and it, it's just weird. Like, it's weird. You know that every once in a while a goalie has an assist, maybe a right. goal if you're Ron Hextall. Right. Um. And, and Jonathan Quick is certainly going to have a few fights in his career before he's done, right? <laughs> exactly. It's going to be the Jonathan Quick. shot on goal wouldn't be the, the part you goal, the score sheet with. No, yeah. that's a very strange thing. And so I thought that that was weird. Um, Sticking, though, with this uh, awkward transition, but somewhat tangentially related, uh, Jack Campbell. Yeah. I, I was asked recently for a trade comparable on on, on trading Campbell. Right. There's been a lot of talk, of course, about trading Jonathan Quick and sure. potentially, and if that's going to happen, and we've covered that in previous episodes. But for Jack Campbell, there is an interesting trade comparable, and it's Cam Talbot when they traded him from the Rangers to Edmonton. Edmonton, okay. In that trade, if you go back and look at his contract, what was left on his contract, how much money and the term, when right. you look at the age and when you look at the body of work, number of games played in the NHL, it's almost identical. A little bit more money on Talbot, yeah. but but everything else is almost identical. Yeah, Same Ken age, did not say, play a lot in no, New York at all. 50-something games yep. of NHL experience. There was about a million dollars left on his contract, one year remaining. Everything, age was about the same, and they were able to get three assets, a second, a third, and a sixth, if I remember correctly. Yep. Now, I'm not saying that that's the, the, what you're going to get. That's not the going rate for, for Campbell, um, but it certainly is interesting that when you're looking for a trade comparable, there yeah. there is one for you a number of years ago, albeit. Yeah. Goalie trades to me are just so weird. Weird, they are. I agree. You never know. You never know what's <laughs> going to get back. Exactly. You could get a first-round pick, you know, from Martin Jones, or, right. or you end up getting a, a you know, conditional Digital. seventh. <laughs> it's just so weird how... Yeah. goaltenders seem to vary so much more than any other position. I, I agree. I couldn't agree with you more because I guess it's 
They're wild cards, John, to be honest with yeah. you. I mean, Jack Campbell, how would you know if you gave him 60 games a, a season in another in Philadelphia or somewhere else, how he would perform? It's, you know, there's, there's, it's a short track record. Right? There's not a lot of body of work. And there's more, I think there's just more risk because until he came to Los Angeles, John, he wasn't, he was a bust, right? Well, he, well, that's the thing is that there are highs and lows. Jack Campbell yeah. was a former first, first round, round draft pick. pick. Absolutely. Goalies don't get taken in the first no. round. He was all world when he was with Team yep. USA and doing all that stuff. Jack Campbell was incredible. And he looked to be at one point the, you know, the next big American goaltender. goaltender right. And then just. Things didn't work out in Dallas. Uh, you know, I mean, he did win a cup there, a Calder Cup, that right. uh, with uh, Willie Desjardins as the coach, which is a whole other story. But I, mean, I can't even say it without laughing. But anyway, right. um, yeah, he, he basically, he was a bust, if to borrow your word, yeah. because he was left on a, you know, a, a pile of parts and nobody thought that Jack Campbell would ever be. And then, you know, you, you bring him to Los Angeles and you get him some, yeah. some goaltending Goalie coaches. whispers and Dusty Emu. And, Look what and happens. Matt Ranford, and they've done that before. They've done it a lot, a lot of times. But again, like Jonathan Quick was a third round draft. Pick. So how do you ascertain the value of a Jack Campbell? Like, and I agree with you. I don't think Jack Campbell in the marketplace right now is going to get you three assets. But, you know, is that an option? I don't know. If Jonathan Quick keeps playing and if, if the, if the Todd father keeps playing quick, who knows what's going to happen with uh, Jack Campbell? It is so interesting, just staying on goaltenders, how yeah. the tide turns so quickly. Jonathan Quick, uh, you know, Kings fans were lining up with torches and ready to put him on a a, a boxcar out of town. Right. Wave him. Wave him. Send him to Ontario. I mean, it's just crazy, crazy and tweets. One, the Calgary game turned it around for him. He looked phenomenal. I said yeah. this to you the other day. I thought he controlled that game. I yep. thought that Jonathan Quick and Dowdy were just phenomenal in that game. And, yep. and Quick has looked good now in back-to-back games, if you will. Um, he's been healthy, John. It's, I think, the mental approach of the game and maybe a little style change. Uh, he's looking good right now. Todd's going to ride him. So just you know, enjoy the moment. And like, again, John, how many times can we tell fans... Peaks and valleys. So many peaks and valleys are going to be in this season. They're mm-hmm. going to be games where you think that this team's a playoff team, and the other night you're going to say, hey, they're a bottom team. Now, I watched Detroit lose to Ottawa last night on, on Wednesday night, so I'm not sure they're the bottom team at this point, the Kings, but just, you just got to ride it out because, you know, there's going to be a bad Jonathan Quick game coming here, and it may not all be his fault, but the statistics, because they started so poorly, you can't look at the statistics now. You have to look at the sample size, and you got to start from the Calgary game on now. you got to throw the rest out because, again, that was a team that was learning a new system, learning new pairs, trying to build chemistry. So from here on out, now you have eight or nine, you have, what, nine games in, in the bank. Let's see how the team performs. Let's see how the goaltending performs from this point out because now they certainly grasp the message. They've grasped the system. They're not the best offensive team in the world. They won't ever be because the talent isn't there yet. But let's see on the goaltending where they go from this point on. I've, I've also mentioned this before, DB, on other radio shows or podcasts, that the, the similarity to spring training and, and you know, whether yep. pitchers are ahead of, of hitters and things like that. Um, it might have been Quick. It was a goaltender. I don't remember who, but maybe it was Jonathan Quick many, many, many years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, who told me that the, the, the skaters come in ahead of the goaltenders. Right, right. Because when the skaters are practicing over the summer and coming into training camp, that basically everything that they work on, yeah. shooting the puck and all that stuff, that yeah. it that what they do in the summer can almost simulate games. Yeah. But that for goaltenders, tracking the puck, you cannot you do. do you can have uh, you can have guys shoot a bunch of pucks on you, but you can't simulate the guy coming from behind the net on your right side, on your blind spot and doing right, things exactly. like that. In the it, flow, you can't simulate flow of play right exactly yeah. so the comment there was always that the first month of the season is 
the goaltenders are almost still in training camp as well. And, the, and then eventually yeah. they catch up. So it is interesting to see that that commentary sort of playing out with Jonathan Quick. Absolutely. He, he's getting used to the new system. He's also becoming, you know, more comfortable with the timing and things like that. So right. um, interesting. Shot differential. You mentioned it in passing on the last yeah. episode. And I just wanted to, to give you an opportunity to talk more about that. The shot differential is interesting for the LA Kings. It's almost two to one in the first period where this team in the first period last year had a negative shot differential. So this team is tenacious, and that, the thing is that they, their shooting position isn't the greatest in the first. I think they're 10-10 in the first period coming in um, to the St. Louis game uh, with respect to goal scores, but they have been tenacious they've been on the puck, and that's the one big difference that I see in this team, John, is that this team, if you're not ready to play this team, they're going to dominate you in the first period. They may not outscore you, but they're going to dominate and control play, and it gives them, I guess, a, a leg up if you come out of games one one you know, 1-1 or one nothing or whatever. They still... Guys still have to convert their shots and convert their chances, but it's a stylistic change. And to me, that's the biggest impression about this team. This team is ready to play from the opening faceoff. They've been tenacious on the puck throughout the first period. And hopefully as they get deeper in the season and guys' shooting percentages improve, then they'll get a leg up. So again, you know, the team, you know, the USA Today prediction, the team's going to win 24 games. And <laughs> Who's looks getting so, their hockey information from USA Today? Uh, hey, Kevin. <laughs> Travelers? Uh, Kevin <laughs> People Allen's staying at a Holiday there, Inn? So who knows? I don't know who made that selection. But again, it's just, it, you can see how a team grasps a new system and a new coach and they, and the message resonates with them. To me, that's the biggest takeaway is that um, how they come out in games, that they are so prepared. And I think, John, as a as media, as a fan base, you would, n- would never prepare for that. Like it's always was the opposite, slow starting team that mm-hmm. laid back. This team is so aggressive. And I think in this league, you really have to be. Even with that aggressiveness, they're you know four and five after nine games. But still, to me, stylistically, that's the biggest impression I got with respect to the new system. Eh, call me after the first one o'clock Saturday game and let me know if they show up on time. This team always seems <laughs> it was to be. a three be o'clock there. Saturday game against Nashville, you're right. Well, but we talked about that was because they know that one o'clock doesn't work, <laughs> five o'clock doesn't work, seven o'clock doesn't work. So they said, screw the it. We're going to go with three. Th- three go. o'clock. Let's give it a shot. Now, watch. Next Next year, all day games will be at three o'clock. Um, okay, well, back to Kevin real quickly. Yes, he, yeah. he's he's a legend. So that I didn't mean any disrespect to him at all right. as a writer. Um, just more about who reads the USA Today, but that's a different right. story. Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to say this though. You mentioned that's the one big difference. I'm going to give you another big difference. Please go ahead. And that is there. I've been impressed with their ability to adjust and regroup. And what I mean by that is we have seen far too many times over the last couple of years. One goal goes in. And it's over. It, yeah. Just it, you could see it in the body language, the facial yeah. expressions, just the emotions that you could see. Oh, we're dead. Like yeah. there's, there's, there's no coming back from this. Todd calls a timeout uh, or the group just, you know, at intermission, they regroup yeah. and they come out and they look like a different team. They, they just, they adjust when they need to much more so than they have in the past. I think I wrote my opening article this year that uh, it was after 10 minutes, it was two nothing and it was over. Yeah, like you, like a couple of times I sat at ice. You know, you and I both have season tickets. So we sit in the little ball. You'd sit at ice level and say, "This game is over." Like Tampa came in, I think scored two goals or Toronto. I'm like, no response. Like flatline. This team is not flatline. Todd won't let them flatline. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. It's a different type of coach. So anybody that want to criticize Todd's big picture record about not winning a Stanley Cup or maybe Sharks didn't didn't achieve what they needed to do because of the talent. This team is just totally on board with this guy. And I get texts, and as you do, they they love, love this coach. <laughs> love. They love this coach. You know, and yeah. they, I think it proves one thing. Look, never going to disrespect what Daryl did here, mm-hmm. right? But you can be a great coach and not be an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's possible to do that to make. And if Daryl hadn't been a jerk, 
Like he'd probably still be coaching here, John. Well, they, uh, I agree with you on that right. because if you talk to these players and it, Dowdy said it in, in the first day of training camp, Penn's talked about it the other night. They love Daryl. And when yeah. Daryl first got here, that tough love approach was totally accepted by the players and needed. It, it almost just became though that Daryl started living the gimmick it, right. in, in the Great final point. two years and, and just trying to top himself with, you know, living the gimmick. That's Wrestling all I analogy. It's, Beautiful. it's just what it was. It's what it was. He was Bret Hart, just living the gimmick too much. Ric Flair, you know? Yeah, totally. Like, separate, you know, yeah. separate so you what be, you do with the media and what you do with the players. John, you could be demanding. You yes. could ask a lot from your players, but you don't have to be a jerk about yes. it. And this coach is not a jerk. I mean, and, you know, we've said this numerous times, the way he deals with us is just respectful and yes. smart and... And trans, I think he's totally transparent with everyone. I think the transparency the organization has because Todd's leading it now mm-hmm. is very, very different than we've seen in a very, very long time. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, by the way, you mentioned having season tickets on a previous episode and some people were tweeting us about it and whatever. And so just to clarify, yeah, we do sit in the press box most nights, but that Correct. we support the team. We have season tickets and yeah. that our friends and family use those tickets Correct. and whatnot. So most games, we're not in the lower bowl sitting down there. No. Although I wish we were because the, the view is much better. Um, I appreciate <laughs> the credential but the press yeah. box for those that don't know is seven thousand miles up in it's the air the highest it's the highest yeah. because of the three the three levels the, of suites right at staples center that's right. why because you go to anaheim it's like you're almost sitting in the first row of you know the top row of the uh the first section well so, if we ever get you out to ontario to the garage then you'll really know what it's like i've been there once okay it was it place. for a hockey game yeah i was in the press box when joey z back in the day was there how did I not know that you were in town? Because my buddy, my buddy from the Islanders was oh, scouting oh, one. Oh. Of that's the one time I drove out past. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I know. I did. You were there. I, yeah, I was there. I forgot all about it. Yeah. So, well, you've made one so visit in 10 years. So, yes, it was easy for me to forget. Exactly. Okay. Um, back to Jack Campbell, though, for just a moment. Yeah. You know, it seems that perhaps everybody is uh, partnering up with the Kopitar compound yes. over there. So what's what's going on yes. at, at Kopi's compound down in South Bay? Kopi's wife was taking a video and put it on their Instagram story that Jack was babysitting in the yes. pool with the kids. So everybody's moving in. Jad moving in. Jack Campbell moving in. Who's next? Yes. Kapari? Maybe uh, Kapari comes be. up? It could be. Matt uh, Luff? No, no not Matt there. Luff. No, no way. No. no, he has to have a bachelor pad. That's no, true. <laughs> I have a Matt Love story that I'm going to get to later, and you're going to love it. That's coming up in the third period. Um, sticking with the Kings lineup, though, again, these are some random headlines that we're bouncing around here, but uh, this yeah. this hopefully is, is is good content for, for the listeners. Um, I, I'm on the move Adrian Kempe to the wing uh, bandwagon right now. Mm-hmm. I know that you're on the move Adrian Kempe out, but just for the time being. Move him to the press box. Okay, yeah, well, okay but just listen. You were good, though. You have right. Kopitar down the center. You have Turcotte coming. You have Anderson mm-hmm. Dolan uh, right. coming. Kapari. Don't Am- forget the lizard. A- a- Amadio. The you, have lizard. The, you have the lizard. Akil Thomas is coming yep. next year uh, to turn pro from, from the OHL. The depth at center is unbelievable right now. And, and young Adrian is not probably going to be in the mix at center beyond this season. Agreed. Just when you look at, you know, they're going to be calling up Jod next year. Yep. Um, so that right there. And if Turcotte was the turn pro, we'll get into that in the sure. third period as well. But just you look two years from now, there's no room for Adrian Kempe at center. Unless all of a sudden he starts scoring 30 goals a year, which yep. we don't see. So yeah. let's get to it sooner than later. Why why prolong the inevitable? This guy, I think, needs to be moved to wing and um, get him going there and trying to create some offense. It certainly is not working at center. It's not working in center, and it's not working on the power play either, John. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like four and four. I mean, if I'm defending that power play, I'm playing off Kenpe at the point he's not. he doesn't have a big enough shot to, to be a serious threat there, so I'm not sure what Todd's going to do. But I talked to some of the guys on the power play, and they see that, look, this is the way the power play has been set up all year. 
and they don't see changing it anytime soon. So I would be advocating for Kovalchuk on there, but I think then you'd have two right shots on the point, and that would be a little bit dangerous defensively because uh, you'd ask Kobe to play defense, and certainly I think Kimby at this point is a better defensive player. Are you going to ask Kobe to play defense? Who's having that conversation <laughs> with him? I'm just curious. Mm, I don't know. His wife? Okay. Kids? <laughs> Somebody. Beverly Hills. His agent, maybe? Yeah, Majin, <laughs> Pat Prasam may have to step in. Um, Does Pat so, speak Russian? <laughs> yeah, enough, enough, enough Russian. Okay. And he speaks enough English, so I okay. think we have a conversation. But uh, I couldn't agree with you more on Kempe. It's not going to work. The, the problem is, Jonah, we talked about this, and, and the, the constant issue with him is that he needs the center of the ice to create his offense. Does and, he? Well, he does. I mean, I that's so. what the book might that's say. That's what the book might is, say. Is it but working? I, I think it's just it's just not an option. And I don't think Todd's confident in him playing in the middle anymore. So I think that the only option here is to move him to wing and maybe you get more production. Maybe there's less pressure to produce. Um, but if he does need the middle of the ice, how are you going to clog that up? you got a center playing. And the question is, John, what center does he play with then? Well, that's another great question. Yeah. I mean, right? Because if you, if you have Clifford as the fourth line left wing, but you know, you I just don't yeah. see Kempe as a fourth line player. That's no, not I what agree. he's. You know, I, Amadio is a better fourth line player, but he's playing well enough to play yes. on the third Agreed. line. But yeah. if you're just talking about how you would set the lines up, I, I Kempe does not make any sense to me as a fourth line center, no. and he is has not earned the right to play as one of the top three centers. Yep. So again, it brings me back to. This guy at some point has to move to wing yeah, if he I really so. has a hope to I'll stick around and play in the NHL. In the NHL, yeah, I, I agree with you because with just, the in the NHL with the Kings, I'm sorry. I mean, you can always you find can a always different home from him, maybe agreed. you know whatever. Yeah, I'm 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 off the center thing. I get it. I understand what they try to do. It. I just think that John, unless it turns at some point in time, he's a first round bust. Now, granted, he's you know was the what 29th or 30th pick here, but they they have to find a position where him he's comfortable and can produce because. And even Todd said it. You look at you look at the player. And he has everything to be successful in this league. Mm-hmm. And he's just not delivering at this point in time, not doing it again. And now, John, he's on his fourth coach. And I know you mentioned he's still young. He's, what, 22 years old? Yes, but he is young. He's not that young anymore, right? And he's gone through four coaches now. And he's not producing with this coach in a system where the team is resonating and reacting to it. And Kopitar is now a point-of-game point again, point again player. So, I but I agree with you. I think your main point about moving to the wing, I think they don't really have enough. I think they're out of options there. I think that would be the, the last possible route to success for Adrian Kempe in the NHL, at least for the Kings. A couple of quick talking points here, DB, before we wrap up the first period. Um, the game in Winnipeg, uh, yeah. there were goals by Wagner, game, goals by uh, McDermott and Kopitar, yeah. you mentioned. Just, I'm curious, anything that you liked in that game, anything you didn't like in that Winnipeg game? Yeah, I loved the reaction to the team when they awarded McDermott. McDermott, the goal on the bench. They all face washed him. That uh, was fantastic. You could tell how much that player is loved. Look, John, he's going to be, what, a 30, 30 game player? Like the, against the right team, the right matchup, he's going to get in the lineup. He's not a sixty-game or seventy-game player, but uh, to me, it's 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 again about the reaction to this team. It's the mindset, the mentality of this team. To see that, you see the camaraderie. It's just such. It's and I mentioned this, I think, last pocket. It's not even one hundred eighty degrees from last year. It's two hundred seventy <laughs> degrees, man. I won't say three sixty because that's a total circle. But it's just so different about yes. the reaction. How this team is emotionally invested in yes. each other and and how they react. A team that's all on board with each other. They do stuff like that. The teams that are getting, you know, they get out of the locker room, run out of the locker room, taking 23 different cabs to their homes or 23 different Ubers, they don't do stuff like that. So that, to me, that's the biggest takeaway. The goals were nice. Um, the team dominated play, but the reaction to the, the team when he was on the bench and he didn't get awarded the goal until he was on the bench, but to see the reaction of the players to him, I think that that's a really, really nice signal uh, that this team is on track. 
And that is the culture of the LA Kings. That was what, what made this yes. team previously so special. Glue. We talked about right. it a little bit with Penner, just that in other locker rooms that we go into, you don't ever sense, even that Sharks team, when, when they were all quote-unquote tight, you never sensed all 20-plus guys being on the same page. No, there were factions. Like, like you did, yeah, yeah the factions. But they're, yeah. in LA, it was just one group, one faction, and that's one of the things that made them so special. So yeah. it was nice to see, and thankfully... He had scored that one NHL goal back to McDermott, yep. one NHL goal previously, right, right. because wh- what a weird way to score your first <laughs> NHL goal, right? The play is going on, and, and then, how often you and see then that a horn happen? blows. The horn blows, right? I don't recall ever seeing it, but so I think that I think Foxy's, happened. Yeah, Foxy said on the broadcast, or somebody said, that it happened last year. Maybe they must have been another... Um, in another team, yeah, another team, game. Maybe, yeah. I don't remember seeing that before, and it certainly was weird to watch the play going yeah. on. But I will say Jim Fox nailed it right away. I mean, the minute that horn blew... He knew he, it was a goal. He said, that means there's a goal. And right. what are you talking about? You know, like, he was the only one that apparently knew. So I don't know if Toronto texted him or not before. But <laughs> let's sort of wrap up, though, with Jim Fox, because I just want to throw something at you here, sure. DB. Uh, from what I understand, Foxy signed a multi-year contract a couple of years ago um, as part of the transition as Bob was was winding down sure. and, and the new voice was coming in. Um, so Foxy still has, I, I don't know the specifics, but I believe another couple of years of, of his contract left. Jared Stoll has been getting more and more TV time over the last couple yep. of years. At some point you have to figure, and fine, Foxy can stay forever as far as I'm concerned. I love Agreed, the guy. Totally. But at some point you have to think that Jim is going to want to say, hey, you know what, I've been on the road for whatever, 30, 40 years it's been, yeah. um, you know, as a player and then now as a broadcaster. And, you know, he has a wonderful wife and he has his other interests in his wine. Yeah. Maybe at some point he doesn't want to go on the road anymore. At some point, let's face the reality, somebody is going to replace Jim Fox. Agreed. Jared Stoll is, I think, slowly creeping into the conversation of, wow, that would be a really interesting choice. Great ties to the organization. He's still involved in the development side um, as well. So he knows the organization well. He's well-liked. He's well-respected. He's well-spoken. Looks good on camera. I was going to say, don't leave that out. <laughs> I won't leave that <laughs> For out. For the female fans. Or looks, the male fans, too. For all the fans. Yeah, yeah looks good on camera. Yeah. Um, perhaps you do... I think they're grooming them. ...a little switcheroo there, and maybe Foxy sticks around, but he's... At home, okay, yeah, and he's the the studio guy, and, and is not doing all the stuff that that requires the travel. That would be an interesting and switch. Other, other thing, like the Dodgers have multiple guys that go on the road and do. Oh, the Dodgers! They have twenty seven guys. On, I don't exactly. even know who, how many guys they have. I think every former player is on their TV broadcast. Exactly, and a, and a scout for the San Jose Sharks as well. <laughs> well that's Ned Coletti, which Ned Coletti. Yeah, can't so, wait to talk. Yeah, to him. I I think he would be a great. Um, replacement for him because he he is getting better. You know, look coming out of the, coming off the ice and going through the the media in, into the booth, TV booth is a very difficult transition. Jim Fox talked about it way back when I did way back in the interview. I mean, you're you're you know you have the headset on, you're you're buzzing after the you know the first a couple of games, but Stoli's done really good acclimating to what it takes to to be an artic- uh, articulate on the air. I think that'd be really nice replacement, and I like your idea about just transitioning and. Slightly, and then let Jim deta- determine. Yes, you know how he's going to play it out for however long he yeah, wants. Please, to please fans, do not start tweeting me that I'm trying to get rid of Jim yeah. Fox. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, this is not the Jim Fox retirement. No, podcast, no, no. Like I said, Foxy can stick around for as long as he wants. I'm just I'm looking at it, going, okay. I remember Derek Armstrong being on the broadcast. Love Army, but yeah. it, it he struggled with it, right? Yeah. 
look at uh, Sean O'Donnell oh, was on there. He right. never really seemed as completely comfortable as, say, I'm just saying Stoli seems to be Very really comfortable, comfortable in yep. his own skin yep. and is thriving in the role. And Agreed. perhaps you want to give him more opportunities to be on TV. And how would you do that? Sure. Being the guy with the microphone out in front of the locker room doing right. in between periods, it doesn't seem no, like no. the thing that you would want to do. He's an analyst. Right. So how would you take advantage of it? And so that's how. So that's going to wrap up the first period. We'll be back for the second period. We'll take a lap around the NHL. Second period. Welcome back, DB and the mayor, kings of the podcast. Yeah. We're going to keep cranking things out here, DB. Let's go. Come let's on. take a lap Second around the period. NHL. Um, let's start out Minnesota. The uh, the Kings are going to be in Minnesota over the weekend. There are some some news items that you would like to talk about, some injuries, I guess, and then I have a take on the coach. Yeah, so Devin Dubnik is a little bit banged up, so he's probably not going to be in the uh, in playing in the in net for uh, Minnesota, so it's probably going to be Alex Daylock. Um uh, and they're banged up. So Kevin Fiala's on IR, Joel Erickson X on IR, and not the one guy who maybe should be on IR is uh, Miko Koivu. No goals in nine games, um, and that's part of the symptom of why this team is struggling and why Gabby is probably in, in the hot seat right now with respect to not, not only the fact that Jason Zucker called him out because Jason took a step back on that and said just basically criticized everybody. Everybody has to be better. Uh, usually, when you say that, John, you don't mean the coach in that group of play, people that need to be better. Uh, but this is a struggling team with a team, and we've talked about this, John. You know, you have your your primetime players in Koivu and Zach Parisi, 35, 36 years old. That's not going to cut in this league anymore. So this is a team that, and we, what have we talked about this team? And we've talked, not even this season, John, this is a nice team. And nobody's, <laughs> everybody's, nobody's afraid to play in a nice team, right? And they might get to 90 points, and they might make the playoff again because they skate, they're smart, they don't beat themselves. Devin Duckman's been great for them in net. But this is a team that could see that really, and, and Another point we mentioned, like, they just really need to go and be bad mm-hmm. right? because they never got over the hump. It's a very tough, difficult division, the Central Division, and they've never been really, really bad, so they've never got the highest draft picks. Um, the free agency signings with respect to Suter and Parisi, yeah, they've been here a while, but they haven't put them over the top. So this is a team that I think, you know, can certainly, from a King standpoint, grab two points here in Minnesota because this team's going through a challenge. Um, and uh, so that, that's kind of my take on the Wild at this point. Yeah, I want to hear something funny, DB. When you yeah. texted me earlier and you put, um, I, I now I understand that it's zero G in nine next yeah. to Quavu. I I just read the text as O G in OG. nine, and so I thought that there was some sort of milestone coming or whatever. That just goes to show you the different uh, mindset. Yeah. You put it typing zero G, and I read it as O G. There you go. I think the coach is on the hot seat, though. I think has um, to be. he has to be mainly because it's not he's not their guy. Yep. So Billy you know, coming. New Mike Madonna, Billy Garen, that whole that whole crew. Um, this is not their guy. And coaches that, that don't come with the GM uh, and or president typically don't last very long. He might make it the season, but he's not going to be the long-term solution unless, of course, they were to somehow win the Stanley Cup this year, and I don't think that's going to uh, happen. <laughs> so, that's not the option. I don't know what the odds are in Vegas, DB, but I don't, I'm, I'm not putting a dollar down on the Minnesota <laughs> Wild. Sorry, guys. Yeah, uh, They're going to be in Chicago. Now, look, I reached out to Tab Bamford, of course, uh, the fourth period. Our Chicago godfather. Uh, yes. Love love Tab. How long was that text? 20 minutes? Uh, yes. It was very long. <laughs> I asked for just two or three you know, inside nuggets. Uh, what, what's going on with the Blackhawks? What did right. he want us to talk about? And he, these are some of the, uh, the, the headlines straight from Chicago. Um, he said that the biggest league-wide uh, piece of note is the fact that Kirby Doc is healthy and he's yep. in the lineup. Of course, he was the number three overall pick uh, in 2019. He also wanted to pass along that Connor Murphy has been playing uh, top pair minutes with Duncan Keith. 
but was placed on long-term injured reserve with a growing injury after Tuesday's big game. So that was a, a big loss on the blue line yeah, for the Blackhawks. Absolutely. Yep. And they only have one goal from their top six defensemen. That's not, that's not a good sign. That's not, yeah, Keith Seabrook has one goal. No defenseman has scored since. And look, I like them to bounce back this season, but with that defense, I'm not sure. And, you know, the kid that I mentioned around the, I don't know, was last year, Dominic Kubalik, the guy who. I'm, I'm going to get to that. You want to get to him? Okay. Yeah, so you're I'll, actually pronouncing his name wrong, too, which I'm going to, that's breaking news as well. We have okay. a pronunciation update. Oh, we do. We oh, do. We do. So good. Uh, but let me give you a couple of other tabs yeah, ahead, headlines man. related to the Blackhawks. Uh, Calvin DeHaan, he's replacing him on the, uh, the top pair. He'll be playing with Keith for now. And then, yes, for the, uh, here's the deal it's Kubalik. Like your sink is leaking. It's it's a leak. It's not a lick. And here's the funny part. The okay. team and everybody allegedly found yeah. out when the Blackhawks were overseas. You know, they started the year yes, overseas. in Prague. And yeah. that's when they were corrected that they had been saying it wrong. people in Prague. That's yes. great. <laughs> it's, it's Kubalik. And um, yeah, so basically uh, Kubalik, that's going to take me a while because I've always called him Kabalik. Right. Um, he's been playing on Chicago's third line, which basically uh, has been their best line. Yeah, they've been he, good. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, that's Brand- the Brandon Sod line. Um, and, and Saad, I guess, has just been fantastic uh, so far here through the early part of the season. I do want to mention this, though, on, on Kubalik, and that is that uh, some fans on Twitter wanted to, you know, beat me up over the fact that I, I commended Blake for being able to turn that into a fifth-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. And, they're, you know, to me, it doesn't matter if this guy scores 50 goals this year for the Blackhawks. Here's the bottom line. Yeah. He was not going to play for the LA Kings. Right. They had sent management over there right. multiple visits over the last couple of years. They had yeah. tried to sign this guy. They had a bunch of problems with him and his agent and getting the story straight, whether he had a contract or didn't have right. a contract. Could he come over? Could he not come over? I mean, this was like short of being Perkorkin 2.0 in oh trying to get this guy into <laughs> LA. And at some, point, at some point, they said, yeah. look, he, we're not going to be able to get him and Chicago was willing to acquire his rights, this is a seventh-round draft pick. That, yeah. Like, what's the value of a seventh-round draft pick? It's a seventh-round draft pick. I mean, it's very, very low, on, low. Uh, on the board, right? Right. And years and years later, you turn that long-since-forgotten seventh-round draft pick into a fifth-round pick? Yeah. That's money falling from the sky, and those fifth-round picks are what you package with a fourth to move, move up, up into the third and do things. Right. So that's free currency. Kaliev or that's, whatever that's, well, I would didn't play off in the Kaliev yeah. deal, but um, you know, that's, but that's, that's free money. Do, that's right. currency. So I think that's, that that's fantastic. But uh, Saad, um, it, it's really been, you know, he's, he's playing like a rejuvenated player. The Blackhawks tend to do that. They bring guys back and yeah. sometimes they're rejuvenated <laughs> and sometimes they're not. He's rejuvenated at $6 million a year, you know, and they trade over to uh, Columbus guy named uh, Panarin. Oh. Well, okay. Yeah. So you, you have that. Um, taking some other laps around the NHL or just looking at some other things. Uh, yeah. How about John Carlson? Um, John Carlson, is he going to win the Hart Trophy? I don't know. I'm not sure. Or the, uh, the Art Ross. And here's the thing, John. John Carlson makes $8 million a year. He does. $3 million less than Drew Daddy. That's all I got to say. Well, uh, John Carlson's a hell of a player. Another uh, former Team USA guy had a big eight million for that player. Oh, I would, I would take two, please. Give me, give me two of those at eight million dollars. Um, Let's go, Drew. Step up. Some more production, please. Okay. Now, granted, this Kuznetsov, this Backstrom, this Ovi. Okay, I get it. It's it's a full team there. They're pretty yeah, loaded. Yeah, they're pretty loaded. Um, they're trading Andre Burkowski because they think they have room for him. Well, they're not going to trade him, really. They traded him to Colorado. Oh, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
Hey, look, I, I got this next bit of information here from uh, our friend Jim Boomer Gordon on NHL Network Radio, and he, he wanted to make sure that he's not accusing anybody, uh, <laughs> especially the, NF, uh, the NHL referees. Mm-hmm. He's not accusing them okay. of, uh, of doing anything on purpose. But Brian Burke allegedly was talking about this on the air last night as well, about this whole even up system that appears, uh, appears to go on in the National Hockey mm-hmm. League relative to uh, bad calls. Well, just, yeah, and, and so check this out. Go ahead. Um, basically, the it seems to be true. The numbers bear out that there is, uh, there seems to be an evening up of the number of calls. The number you get penalties one way versus the other, and I guess the Colorado Avalanche have been, or fans at least, have been sort of complaining about this a lot. That right. their their team um, gets a lot of power plays uh, because the team is fast and all yep. sorts, and they're good. And then what happens later in the games is that then the referees are calling it back the other way. So they're calling like five minors on each team? Basically. Yeah, so there are, I guess, league-wide, the average is uh, 22 uh, power plays uh, per team at this particular okay. point right now. But there are some outliers, though, as well. Like the New York Islanders only have 12 power plays right now, okay. which is completely bizarre. The team that leads actually leads the um, in, in power plays. Opportunities, yeah. And on penalty kill is Las Vegas. They have the most power plays. They've had, I guess, 40 power plays, mm-hmm. and they've had 44 penalty kills. They lead in both categories. So there's a lot of evening up that goes on there. Right. Vegas also tends to have one of the best penalty kills. They're 40 mm-hmm. for 44 at the time of the recording, wow. which is basically what's saving them right now. Right. They have a really strong penalty kill, yeah. which is interesting because when you think about Vegas, you're not overly impressed with their defense, but yet their defensive abilities on mm-hmm. the penalty kill, that team mentality, it is, it is working for and them. And they have the goaltender too. They do have Marc-Andre Fleury, who is playing completely out of his mind. Yep, again. Every time you think he's going to tail off, he finds a way to take it up another another level. Uh, so the average per game is uh, 6.6 total penalties, three per team, which basically means if you're planning, your team is yeah. going to get an average of one power play um, per, per period. period. Okay. So just sort of something interesting And that's there. something the Kings got to work on from both, both sides of their special teams. They've been really down the bottom. If they get their rolling on the special teams... <laughs> they're not going to have a top five pick, John. Yeah, they're not. Uh, the, the penalty, or the, excuse me, the uh, power play was at one point like around 6%. Yeah. I mean, come on. You have to be up over 15%. And you really want to be up around 20%. 20% be, yeah, right, but, but I mean, yeah. you cannot be at 6% no. on, the, uh, on the power play. Some interesting other notes that came out of this is that the Pacific uh, uh, Division mm-hmm. is just eating the lunch of the Eastern Conference this yeah. year, early on so far. Um, and also, what's other, what's also interesting because everybody thought coming in that the Pacific Division was going to be so terrible. Six of the nine, uh, six of the top nine teams in the Western Conference, yeah. actually are from the Pacific, and the bottom three teams are the Central. And of course, you're talking Minnesota. about Chicago, Minnesota, and yeah. Dallas. And you Dallas have to figure, yeah. and you have to figure that Dallas is going to improve, and you also have to figure that the Sharks are going to. Uh, get going at some point yeah. as well. So the Pacific Division has been... I think the flip there is that you would never have guessed Dallas would be this bad, and you no. would never guess that Edmonton would be, what, 7-2-1. And, and you're, I would agree with you. That's the flip, because yeah. I thought that Edmonton would be like a bottom-five team in the league yes, this you year. Did. You know, Dave Tippett, you have to give him a lot of credit, but they are still doing it with smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Um, when you look... I, <laughs> you're going to laugh when I say this. When you look at the underlying statistics, Uh-oh. when you look at the underlying, underlying numbers, statistics, when you look at the John underlying Logan. numbers, and I've tweeted out a few times, you have, um, yes. one of the, the analytics guys that I like to follow, um, Edmonton's numbers do not look good. They're so outlined. it, 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 it yep. is sort of a one-trick pony. But also, the other interesting thing is the, the, the um, Atlantic Division is the highest-scoring division in hockey right now. 
And here's what's also interesting. Okay. The Pacific Division is the lowest scoring division. I can buy that. But look at how strong the Pacific is right now. And yeah. they're the lowest scoring division. But the division. Atlantic has Toronto, Tampa Bay, Florida. They're, they're you know, they're, they're going to score a lot. Right? Okay. And and, and <laughs> Vegas, San Jose. Yeah, but they have Arizona, L.A., yeah. Anaheim. Well, L.A., come on now. L.A. thinks that this is the Smythe division reincarnated. <laughs> they, they're all about those 5-4 games right now. <laughs> It's been crazy. DB, we're going to shorten up the uh, second period today unless you have any other parting thoughts on the National Hockey League as a whole before we move on and talk more about the LA Kings organization in the third. No, I do have some Kings of the Podcast breaking news. You know that we're back in the top 10 of trending sports news podcasts in the U.S. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to the listeners and probably thanks to the strength of the Dustin Penner episode. So just a little bit of breaking news. But yeah, let's get to the third period. And uh, I know you got your rain report, some other things you want to touch on. We'll be back in a few minutes, folks. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Third period, welcome back. And yes, the uh, music there, that is Rain by yes. the Cult, which is appropriate because we're going to lead right into the Rain Report. Yeah. So- <laughs> I did that last week on you. Have you ever seen the Rain? Yes. In, in episode, what, six, I think. This is the episode. Cult, which is a little bit more to, to, oh, my, I love the cult. to, to, to I'm, my you know, speed. We're, you know, we kind of disagree sometimes yes. on music and stuff like that. And There's going to be a Backstreet Boys song on this show probably at some point in time. But yeah, Cult, love the Cult. So, yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, so we didn't even get to talk about the Cult, as a matter of fact, when we had DJ on, Dave Joseph, a couple weeks ago, uh, because... Dave and I saw the cult together when uh, speaking of New Jersey in their last episode, when we were uh, doing the Stanley cup final coverage in 2012, 2012, we also saw um, the the cult play there in New York. It was awesome. Uh, The rain report. So the rain right now, DB at the time of the recording, they're sitting at four, one and one. They uh, picked up a victory last night in Bakersfield. What a weird game. The rain went over 19 minutes in the first period without even recording a shot. Okay. 19 minutes. 19 minutes. So they got shot in one minute and then yes. that was it. Yes. They, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and it was the Cal Peterson show. No big surprise. Nope. He ended up having 35 saves total in the game. The rain were trailing one nothing at the end of the first and then came back and had two quick goals in like less than a minute in the second period. Mm-hmm. And they ended up winning the game two to one. So just a crazy game. Um, Paul Ladeau had a goal. It looked what? like. What? what? Yes. Paul Ladeau had a goal. Oh, He's it, on the comeback trail, John. It, well, Let's go. It, it did look like Grunstrom uh, may have <laughs> touched it in front. I'm not sure, but they gave the goal to Paul Ledoux. It was originally recorded or uh, to to Grunstrom, and, and uh, which, by the way, it's Grundo is the nickname there, not Grundy, as I've seen some okay. people. It's Grundo, oh, not why, like El Segundo. Yeah, it's <laughs> Grundo. But anyway, okay. whatever. Um, <laughs> but Paul Ledoux is battling back from knee injuries, yes. so I, yeah, yeah. You, you do have to give a player a little bit of rope to run with. When they're coming back from a knee injury, he had surgery at the uh, the end of last yes. season, and so um, and he was slow to come back in training he, camp. Yes, yeah. yes, and even Coach Stuthers yeah, like, has acknowledged that he's he's slowly getting better and looked better every game. I've banged on the guy, but if he come back and get in, and and get in one hundred percent shape, and then come back and maybe get recalled and be a bottom of the order defenseman, I got no problem with that. I mean, I've been you know critical of the player since he's been here, but certainly it could just help their death. But again, John, I don't think I don't think you're shocked. 
given their defensive depth that this team's 4-1-1 off the out of the box. No, and they don't even have a completely healthy team down there. You still have um, Brickley's out on defense. Yeah. Sean Dursey, who was week to week, he basically just came back to practice on Wednesday. He's in a red no-contact jersey. Yeah. Um, Bjornfoot is down there, though, now, yeah. so he's pretty pretty fun to watch. He scored in his first game, but back to Grundo for just a second also. Sure. He's um, had a couple of goals, so he's looked phenomenal. Uh, what's the plan? I've heard a lot of that on Twitter. What's the plan for both? You know, why isn't Grundstrom playing in the in for the Kings? Look, the deal is that the Kings are holding about twenty two players instead of twenty three because right. they want guys playing. They Agreed. don't want them sitting sitting in the press box. So basically, just think of it this way: that about every five to ten games, you're going to see a rotation. You're going to see one guy that's uh, exempt from waivers sent down from yeah. LA, and another guy called up, both on defense and or at forward. And and if they are scratched on, the, look. Grunstrom got some time with the big club, got to practice with him, learning the new system, learning the new coach. You send him down, you get him his playing time, and then when he's ready to come back up, you recall him. So I have no problem with this process because you want these younger kids to get acclimated a little bit to the big club, yes. the new coach, and the new system. I love Grunstrom. I think he's a phenomenal player. You just you look at what he was able to do last year in a small sample size after coming over in the Jake Muzzin deal. I just think this is a really Patience. exciting... Uh, no, I'm not Patience. trying to rush not him at all. you. Yeah. The fans. The fans. I'm Patience. just saying, I really like Grundstrom, uh, and I can't wait to see him back yep. in Los Angeles again. I think that Kings really have something with him. Now, on the Bjornfoot plan, we kind of dropped yeah. this on, I don't we know, did, John. Kings take, of the Podcast take a bow. kind of told you what the deal was. <laughs> take a bow. And yeah. that he was going to be um, staying here in North America, and that they were going to limit his games, not burn the first year of the entry-level contract. If you keep him off of the NHL roster... Uh, in other words, if he if he's um, I'm not just talking about the 10 games played, which kicks in right. for the entry level contract or excuse me. Uh, yeah, for the ELC. See. But also, if you keep him under a certain number of games, it impacts his free agency and years right. later. So it's 50 games. Or it's something. 40, I believe. It's a 40, okay. Yeah. So they're going to the, the plan is to keep him not on the NHL roster, right. you know, or keep him on the roster for less than those games. The plan basically is about 45 ish games in the American League, um, which counts differently. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, he, of course, he'll get roughly 12 to 15 games at the World Juniors. He is going to be released for the world juniors which is great and, but you will see Bjornfoot in los angeles for some more games i love the plan i think it's great for a player like that that he stays here doesn't have to go back i think they're making the right move with the player i really do they want to control his development then they want to be heavily involved in the development right. and this Plus, is you fantastic. also mentioned that he might not get the blame time if he went back right and i think that was a big factor that went into the decision as well it, it's sure. not one specific thing it's a lot of things right drew vouching for the guy i think also goes a long way as well um, yep. because it, it sends the right message to the player sticking with the rain though what about this um matt luff who is Our guy yes yes he was been at, he was at the fourth Come period back Let's go. <laughs> he was at the fourth period golf tournament over the summer yes he was hanging out with Shaft, the guy or the new Shaft yeah. movie. Um, right. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Matt Luff is apparently in DDB. I have not, I'll be honest, I have not had a chance to talk to him about this yet, but I will um, when the rain come home. He's some sort of an underwear model now. Really? Because he, <laughs> I, I should have shown you this before we went on the air. He posted something on his Instagram yeah. and it, it, it's like him and, and it said something to the effect of, Man, I hate doing laundry, and now I use this company because you can just throw away your underwear and get new ones or something. I, I, I <laughs> disposable underwear. Dispo yeah, I don't know what's going on there with Matt Luff, but uh, I cannot wait to find out more about that. He's living a dream, man. He is he's living a he's, dream. God, he's such a beauty too. <laughs> um, and you know, DB, I think I've mentioned this to you before off the air as well. I think he has one of the best nicknames ever. <laughs> uh, his 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 teammates call him White Chocolate. <laughs> 
because do you know have I have no I told no you we haven't oh okay well they call Make him, a disclosure let's go they call him white chocolate because out in Ontario they had the uh, basketball floor set up at the uh, at the arena there one day and I guess just you know the, the the players were there and he just walked by and picked up some basketballs and just started draining really? buckets wow yes very good basketball player and so his teammates started calling him white chocolate <laughs> and that's sort of a name that stuck Paul Ledoux by the way you want to know his nickname yeah he's the Godfather. And the reason they okay. yes, the reason they call him the Godfather <laughs> is that uh, uh, Linton Niemi yeah. had a baby okay. uh, while he was part of the organization. He's yeah. now he's now gone. Uh, but when he was there, and I guess Paul was either officially or unofficially was the really? Godfather to the baby. <laughs> so yes, they call him the Godfather. That's great. Um, you have to love that Ontario Rain team. And I I'm going to retweet the photo out in honor of Halloween. But I did show it to you right before we came yes, on the air. I remember that photo. <laughs> we were talking with Dustin, and it rem- I was reminded of this photo of the Rain Halloween party because. Um, Penner was talking about the Kings right. were Halloween party when sure. he was here, but Adrian Kempe back to your boy yeah. as triple H is <laughs> just a phenomenal picture. Uh, you have to see Nick Dowd's in there. You have yeah. the undertaker. Uh, you have all sorts of great stuff in there. You have stone cold, Steve Austin, but Adrian <laughs> Kempe as triple H is just too it, much. It's comedy. It, it writes you have it, to see the photo. You have to, it writes itself. So I'll tweet the photo. Right. One I'll, picture's worth a thousand words. It is. It certainly is. Um, I've had, I've received some tweets recently as well about why aren't the rain games on TV? People were also uh, freaking out about this. Once the goals, the San Diego goals released that they're right. going to be on in TV San 10 Diego. times. Yep. Um, this year, it, look, it's a different market and getting on TV in San Diego is different than getting, it's an isolated market. So versus yeah. getting on TV here in a bigger metropolitan area. Agreed. Uh, it, there's no basketball franchises. There's really, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's tough. And, and there's also, you and need there's a, also Wisconsin games. On well, but here's, I was just getting to that DB. <laughs> you have to have a feed to pick up. See the rain don't, don't televise their games. Right, right. It's very expensive to televise to live bring sports. a crew in there. Right, right. Exactly. So could there's, I think one game of the 10 game goals package. I think one of those games is against the rain. So, right. Could Fox Sports West possibly pick up that feed? I'd have to look and see who's broadcasting the game. Is it a local affiliate in San Diego, or is yeah. it the, is it Fox Sports? I think it's more of a local affiliate. I think it might be. I, um, I don't think it's a Fox Sports affiliate. Uh, but with with the Wisconsin games, Fox Sports West here in Los Angeles can pick up those games. Yeah, Fox North is because they just the yeah. feeds already there. It's exactly. their sister company. Easy, they just right. pick up the feed. So since Ontario does not televise their games, now they are available on AHL TV right. in high def and whatnot. But that is not a TV produced. Thing no, that is for hardcore for, yeah. fans, um, and then the other sort of rain related thing, uh, two, two items here. One would be Gabe Velarde continues to practice, but DB right before we came on the air, yeah, perhaps a little ahead of schedule because I was told that uh, Velarde would be skating on his own all week, right, and then they would evaluate and possibly integrate him into the with right, with right. the rain. But here's the thing: right before we came on the air today, Velarde was at practice wow. with the scratches. He was out there um, with five or six players, right. uh, but in red, no contact Jersey and Sean Dersey was out there and whatnot. But sure. th- that is at least interesting that after a couple of days, he was already integrated into that. He having, feels good enough. And his recovery was good enough. To and go that they and, felt and, okay yeah. with him being on the ice with other that's players. That's such good news, man. Look, that, we've talked about this. That's a game changer. Absolutely. If he can absolutely be healthy and play to the level that the expectation everybody has of him. That's that accelerates the rebuild, John, to be yes. honest with it. It really does. The Mayor's Manor Prospect Rankings, which come out every year in January, um, sort of the Bible for yeah, what's going on with the LA Kings prospects. And he was ranked number three last year. And I had multiple people inside the organization when I was gathering the, the data for it saying, 
if this guy's healthy, he's our clear running runaway number one prospect in the organization. Obviously, yeah. that's before the big draft of 2019, but right. that just goes to show though that's how important him being healthy is. And I will tell you, DB, I've asked around a lot of people. All the reports I'm getting on him, it's only two days of practice. Now right. today's everybody, three. Everybody, take yeah. it easy. But easy. everybody says the shot looks on point. The puck handling, everything's there. The skating he's looks phenomenal. He's a 30 goal in this league, John. I'll say. Oh, it. He's, I, I've had guys tell he, me outside the organization, great. like they stole him, and, and obviously it's, it's been a huge challenge. But if if he's if he has the uh, if he has the ability to to replicate and have all the, the skills that he went when he went into the draft. He's a 30-goal scorer in this league. Absolutely. And then here's the big one. I just tweeted this out before we uh, started to record. So the American Hockey League, the AHL, their version of Gary Bettman, if you will, the the president, the CEO, the main dog, uh, he is going to be retiring. David Andrews, yeah. Yes, David Andrews is going to be retiring at the end of the season. There has not been a successor named yet. David Andrews, of course, will be. He's been there forever. He has. Yeah. Um, and he will be in Southern California with the All-Star Game is right. here, uh, and as well as the AHL Hall of Fame Awards and this, all this sort of stuff. He's going to be here. I'm not sure if they plan on announcing anything that particular weekend, but we can start sort of get a, a head start on this. Darren Abbott, who is the, he wears multiple hats. Right. He's the president of um, AEG affiliates, affiliates, which is not right. only just the Ontario Reign, but their team overseas in Germany, right. uh, there in Berlin. He also at AEG holds the role of a uh, senior director or senior VP of revenue. Yeah, like a chief revenue officer. Right? He's in charge Driving of all revenue. the season tickets yep. and, 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 and all that sort of stuff that goes on. And he, of course, is a former ECHL executive of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so this guy has a tremendous resume, was the was the head of the Manchester Monarchs and mm-hmm. was part of bringing the AHL West and moving right. the team to Ontario. There's a possibility that he could end up in that chair as the AHL uh, commissioner slash president. There is interest, as I tweeted out <laughs> earlier today. So that is something to keep an Who, eye on. Who's interested? Can't say? I, well, let's just say there's interest. Even. <laughs> okay, we'll, I'll we'll, leave it at that. <laughs> there's interest there, and he is a name to keep an eye on. He's a mover and a shaker, and uh, the AHL is, is aware of that. Yep. So um, continuing with the Kings prospects who are not professional players, not in the American League, how about the fact, uh, Kaliev, this kid is on fire, 14 goals in 12 OHL games, <laughs> coming off a year last year, DB, where he scored 51 in 67. So he's he's above a goal a game right now. Goals are good. That's They're the good, hashtag, man. Right? Goals are good. That, that's that's the type of player I want drafted in Los Angeles going forward. Take some risks. You know, look, nobody's a perfect prospect, So, but I, I, when you have brilliant goal-scoring ability that's so rare in this league to, to have a kid down there. And, and look, you know what, John? He went back with a great attitude, and he just kept scoring, and he kept doing playing his game. So he, he he got a little bit taste of what it's like, life at the NHL level, but he went back with the right attitude, and he just continues to score. So it's a great thing to see. Spent the summer in Los Angeles as well, training and working yeah. with the proper people. So uh, big things ahead for young Arthur Cal- Artie, as he told Artie, me. He likes to be called Artie, or that's what most people call him. He is a Mets fan, though, DB. So He's from Staten Island. Yep, yep. He's he is a Mets fan. Through Staten Island. But he converted. He went to two Dodger games, from what he told me, while he was here over the summer, and he uh, bought a Dodger hat and everything. Mm-hmm. So he didn't send me the picture like he promised, but he allegedly he has a Dodger hat. Did he wait after game five for the discount job? <laughs> it reminds me of Mike Richards. He, um, when I used to, to uh, bang on him about his Yankees hat, he told me that he had a Dodgers hat. He kept telling me he was going to send me a picture, and he, he never did, but then we finally spotted him uh, one time wearing a Dodgers hat. It was, it was pretty incredible. Mike Richards is a beauty. Um, yeah. Hey, look, uh, the, the weekly prospect tracker is put out every week on Mayor's Manor. Shameless, yep. shameless plug, but we do a great job keeping you up to Not date. Not shameless at all. It's a fact. Let's go. Well, 
I'm giving you some breaking news. It's going to show up on the weekly tracker coming out this coming Monday. We have okay. a, an injury update on uh, uh, Lucas Parrick. He's the goaltender the Kings drafted in the third round. Mm -hmm. You would have known that they were going to take a goaltender if you read Mayor's Manor prior to the draft. We told you <laughs> they were taking a goalie in the third round. But anyway, um, so Parrick is playing in the WHL for Spokane. Right. He has not played since October 5th. He had an injury, was listed week to week. And um, it, from what I understand, and this will be in the tracker on Monday, uh, he's due to come back probably the first week of November. So it was about a four to six week time frame, and he is um, set to come back. So that's that looks to be pretty good. Uh, Turcott, he did score again. Wisconsin moved from number 17 to number six in the national rankings. And DB, in the storied history of Wisconsin Badgers hockey, they have never moved up that, that many big, spots right. week to week. That is fun. They took out, they swept the series with Minnesota Duluth, which is really? Mikey Anderson's yep. old team, two-time defending Stanley, uh, not Stanley Cup, two-time defending national champions. They swept them over the weekend. You know, Mayor, uh, Colfield and Torcott, oh. can they injure can they injure a trade to get Colfield yeah. back over here? Well, now? hey, can Pat Brisson take over as the GM of the Canadians now so that Luke and Pat can work out a trade? Um, we that kid can, oh, boy, he can, he's a, and look, and I know that, that he was in the mix at five, and some people doubted it, but that him to fall to 15, when you watch those games, I watched one of them, it's just a kid, it's just a machine, and Turcott looks fantastic, too. So I have some Turcott so, breaking news so for John, you. John, what's going to happen? What do you think? Uh, well, a couple things. Turcott has missed th the first three days of practice this week so far. He has okay. not been practicing. He's been um, under the weather. There's some sort of a, a bug or a virus going mm -hmm. through the team. I guess uh, five or six guys have missed time. Uh, and we'll have to see if he's back this weekend. Um, they're taking on Clarkson this weekend. Mm -hmm. But then the big series, Kings on Kings crime. I love this kind of stuff. <laughs> it's going to be Wisconsin taking on Penn State, another top oh, yeah. 20 ranked team. And Cole Holtz, Holtz is there. Is there right? And he was, uh, he had a, Holtz had a big week a few weeks back. He was player of the week and yep. everything. So you're going to see Cole Holtz on defense against okay. Turcotte, if he's healthy, uh, with Wisconsin on offense. Cannot wait for that series. That's coming yep. up, I think, October 31st and the 1st. Will he turn pro after one season? Look, DB, we talked about this before. Um, I think a lot of it is tied to Turcotte. They're boys. Yeah. I'm mean, sorry, to Caulfield. Caulfield. The Habs are definitely going to try to get him to turn pro. Oh, yeah. If he turns pro and leaves, I could see Turcotte leaving. Um, there is a potential, and again, cart in front of the horse, but there is potentially you could see Turcotte in the NHL this season, similar to what you saw right. with yeah. Quinn Hughes up Sharp in Vancouver. The season, depending yeah. what happens with, with Wisconsin in, in the uh, Frozen Four or in, in the um, NC2A playoffs and whatnot, and when the season actually ends, he could be here. In Los Angeles. That's Don't crazy. get people too excited, John. I let's know, go. I know. Well, hey, okay, let's stay in, in the present then. Um, there is a big uh, junior hockey yes. thing that takes place every year. It's the Canada-Russia series. series. You get all the team, all, all the best players from Canada, and it's a six-game series. It used to be called the Subway Series, but right. it's, um, it's a six-game series. Team Russia comes over. They play two games against the Quebec League, two games against the Ontario Hockey League, and two games against the Western League. The Kings will have four prospects in that. This is kicking off in about a week or so. Um, Jordan Spence is going to represent the Q. You have Aiden Dudas and uh, Akil Thomas, who will represent the Ontario Hockey League. And then Jacob Ingham is also going to um, get a start in goal as well. So that's all going to kick off. I'll tell you the results of that um, in the coming weeks. And speaking of what's coming for Kings prospects, the World Junior Championships take place in Prague this year. I'm a little bit bummed because I've been to the World Juniors the last couple of years yeah. over in Buffalo and then Vancouver, and it'll be in Edmonton next year, and I'll be there, but I'm not traveling to uh, Prague or the Czech Republic. I'm I know it's breaking your heart with all the players that are going to be there. For Here's the thing. Right? I'm still thinking, I, I am thinking about booking a plane ride, uh, DB, because I have to tell you, the Kings could have eight to nine players. It would break the franchise record That's for the amazing. number of players 
which I think is five um, players. They're gonna they could potentially have eight or nine guys. Turcotte's gonna play for Team USA. Kalia for Team USA. Akil Thomas for Team Canada. Dudas uh, has a chance of making Team Canada. He was uh, one of the players at their development camp or uh, evaluation camp over the summer. He looked good. Kapari can play for Finland. He can, right. He's expecting to play. And, and Do you if, think they'll release him to play? If he's in the American League and he's a first-round draft pick, they have to. They don't have a choice. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. that's the deal. Um, and so it, that happened with Kempe, and Lombardi right. lost his brain when it happened. But uh, <laughs> I'd love to have Dean on just to talk about that phone call because he was really against <laughs> it. Um, uh, Bjornfoot is going to represent Team Sweden. That I've already confirmed. Right. Um, uh, Fagamo can play. Uh, Perik can play. And then the kid they took from Team Finland, he can play as well. He was part of the Summer Showcase. Yeah. So they could have... Eight or nine players potentially in the World Junior Championships. It would be phenomenal. It would be like a you know a, a showcase for King's That's prospects. That's why you have to have patience, fans. <laughs> patience. The pipeline is full. It's overflowing at some point. Well, that and you're going to have to have an alarm clock because the games are going to be on at like three That's in the true. morning or something. But they will be televised on the NHL Network. I'll tell you all about it when the time yeah, comes. Of course. Te- basically, wall to wall coverage. Basically, people, if you don't know how this works. Um, the, the, they have like a week of training camp prior to the World right. Juniors starting. So around mid-December, teams, uh, players start reporting to the teams. They play a couple of exhibition games. And then the World Juniors officially start December 26th, Boxing Day in Canada. And it runs for about two weeks. The gold medal game is around uh, January 5th or 6th. Right. So, DB, I have to get your... Uh, we're going to move on from prospects. I have okay. to get your take on this before we wrap up the show today. Uh, there is a fantastic giveaway coming in the ECHL. We're going to go one level deeper. This they are giving away a fork in Fort Wayne, an actual fork like yeah. you eat with, sponsored by a local restaurant or something. I don't mm-hmm. know, but I just think that is the greatest giveaway of all time. A fork is uh, this. This is going to end well. I'm I'm sure it's it is. Sure, and no if problem. it's two dollar Bud Light night at at it's going to end the fork, even it's going to no end problem. even better. How are they going to open the beers, John? The know. fork. Yeah, that's what they're going to do with it. Exactly. Uh, have you ever heard of a better giveaway? No, no. <laughs> that that well. I think the next giveaway we're going to talk about an eclipse. It's going to eclipse the next one we're going to talk about. Right? I have never, at least I don't recall ever sending an email to a PR department, but the Fort Wayne comments can expect an email from me. I would like them to send me one of those giveaway we'd, forks. We'd love I, to have a fork. Yeah, need a fork. Um, we'll have to build a studio out instead of having bobbleheads yeah. like all these other people do yeah, in their studios. We'll have, we'll have forks from all the different teams. Speaking of giveaways, the Kings, I tweeted this out the other day. This is phenomenal. The Kings, I guess, are doing Lakers night in February, a uh, week after the outdoor game. There's a bobblehead that they're going to mm. give away. DB? Yes, John. You, you, you saw the picture. The Dustin Brown in Laker colors yeah. bobblehead. Any thoughts on the Dustin Doesn't Brown really Laker look, bobblehead? John, first thing, it doesn't look like a replica bobblehead. Replica would look like the player. I've reached out to the player yeah. for his response. I'm still waiting still for waiting. a response by text. And also his lovely wife. Yes. And I've gotten no response from either one of them. So, And I, I jokingly said, hashtag pending player approval. Yeah. I, I don't think Dustin got a look at that before uh, they went to, uh, they went to uh, spec. He has had a couple of bobbleheads he throughout has. his career. He yes. had a bobblehead in Manchester um, that I know of. I don't rec- I don't think he's had a Kings bobblehead, at least not a giveaway night. The Dodgers give away bobbleheads of all their players, yeah. but the Kings player bobblehead giveaways have been rather few and far they between. They have been. Right. Wayne, I know mean, they did the legends. They did a couple of those, um, like Luke, Jim Fox and those. Right. Yeah, but um, actual players. Wayne Simmons, Simmons had a bobblehead had night. Ryan Smith had a bobblehead night. Yep. Can't talk about Ryan Smith enough. Um that's about when it was safe to give away bobbleheads. Drew had the cowboy. Uh, hat? Drew had the cowboy hat bobblehead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Clifford, of course, had the zombie bobblehead. Zombie. So, um, 
Dustin Brown, his two-time Stanley Cup champion, <laughs> former captain of the team, his bobblehead is in a Lakers uniform. So there you go. We're going to have a response, John. <laughs> okay. Actually, Kings of the Podcast is going to develop their own bobblehead, and I, I will guarantee it's going to be better received than that. It's breaking news right there. Yeah, I didn't I'm know you were leaking go, that today. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, not going to wow. tell you who okay. it is, but All right. I'm telling you, I'm going to be doing a uh, I'm doing one on spec, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks, uh, people will see it, and then they can... We might actually... You know what, John? You're great at having polls. <laughs> so you might have a poll with the spec to have both Love of you guys, and then we're going to have the king. We'll do it. Yet. It might be a huge seller as well. So I just can't wait. Okay, I want to wrap up with some breaking news here as well. Sure. Um, the Calgary Flames affiliate is in Stockton in the 209. Love Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz, but no. I'm not sure Stockton is the best place no, for hockey. No, it's not, John. <laughs> all, I'm sure it isn't. All the leading indicators suggest... <laughs> What did, what did Penner say the other day, according to reliable sources? Yes. The Stockton Heat will be leaving Stockton relatively soon. They were okay. one of the inaugural teams. You know I'm all about the AHL. West. Oh, you love like, it. You know, yep. Broke the story when the yep. team was You're moving all the whole night. Johnny. All right, yep. so um, where could they go? In California, Fresno wants a team. They have an arena that somewhat is plug-and-play. Mm-hmm. Sacramento is a potential landing spot for them sure. as well. Um, however, from what I'm hearing, although nothing has been decided, and this is not where they're going as of today, but from what I'm hearing, ownership in Calgary is pushing for the team to move to Colorado Springs, which is rather mm-hmm. interesting because you have the Colorado Eagles. Eagles there, yeah. That's a couple-hour drive, so they're not really mm-hmm. right next to each other, right. but it would give you another bus trip for a team that's there, which would be sure. helpful instead of the travel. And then the other thing that you can rule out is the team going into Salt Lake City because I finally got to the bottom. It's been bugging me for over five years. Right. What is the holdup? Because Salt Lake and Boise are two prime markets. Right. Um, Salt Lake has been has had a hockey team at all sorts of different levels, IHL, ECHL, right. everything. Here's the deal from what I found out. It looks like that the local ECHL team, the Utah Grizzlies, yes. are owned in part by the city, which also owns the arena. Okay. They're not willing to sell the team. Got it. So that kind of blocks you from that arena. Because it they gives don't, them a tenant. They don't have right. another AHL mm-hmm. uh, ready building. There are other right. buildings, but that wouldn't be ideal. At the level that they need. And then plus AHL. you'd be competing with the ECHL and the AHL, yeah. both in Salt Lake City. Right. So that sort of rules out Salt Lake, which is too bad because it's a, what, four-hour drive from Vegas. Yes, ideal for a Vegas mm-hmm. AHL affiliate. Yep, agreed. Except one thing, DB. Yes, John. From what I hear, there are over 6,500 people on a waiting list to get Vegas Golden Knights season tickets. There is talk of putting the Vegas, you ready for this? Breaking news here. Go ahead. The AHL affiliate moving it into the Orleans. Wow. In Vegas. They Where would, they've played hockey before. They have. There's The building is set up and ready to go. They have the refrigeration system. You would solve the need with your fan base that can't afford. Can't, right. Or That's can't a great e- point. Because the tickets are outrageous. They are there. outrageous. Supply and demand. They sell out their practices there. That's how <laughs> Vegas crazy is right now for hockey. And so put yeah. the AHL affiliate in, at the Orleans. And it wouldn't cannibalize. Would not. The Golden Knights at all. And they're building such a phenomenal youth program and yep. just... That is a hockey town, whether people want to know it or, not, or believe it or not. That yeah. is a hockey town. They have bought in. They're all in. Totally people in. that never cared about hockey love hockey there now. Yeah, and now the complaint is, like you mentioned, John, the, the tickets are sky high. I think Brian Slagle, who's a good friend of ours, his season tickets, I think, at, at um, T-Mobile are more expensive than Madison Square Garden. It's insane. It is, it's crazy. So, But I agree. I think that's a bold joke. And you know what? That organization's done everything right since they started. So to do that and to integrate it even more into that city and grin it even more, I think it would be a stroke for them. Uh, one other Vegas-related thing here. I had mentioned previously uh, in, a, in a previous episode that there had been talk about doing a home-and-home home outdoor series of right. uh, games between Vegas and L.A., and the idea would be to play one outdoor game at the Raiders Stadium and then the following year an outdoor game in Los Angeles at the new Ram Stadium. Okay. 
that is not happening next year. From what I've been told, the Kings are not going to play an outdoor mm-hmm. game next year. So that looks like that could wait another year. There also now seems to be some concern about whether LA is going to be the preferred team um, against Vegas at the Raiders stadium because Vegas starts to, is starting to believe that their bigger rival at the moment San is San Jose. Yeah. And so they, they might are. they might do something there. Yeah. What does that mean for the Kings? The Kings, of course, would still love to do an outdoor game in, sure. in, in, at Ram Stadium, but that might uh, kill the idea of doing a home-and-home home, home right. with Vegas, which is really too bad. I'm not saying that it does kill it, but that would be too bad. That would be fantastic. Because yeah. it, would, it would be really great. Uh, DB, we're going to wrap this thing up here today. It's been a phenomenal episode. Been great. Parting, parting thoughts? Yeah, Jeff Solomon, we're still coming for you. We want to know what's in that briefcase. 100%. Well, the, the Kings are on the road, so Sully's been sort of safe, but they do yeah. return home next week, October 30th. They're playing Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I think that's our next episode, John. It, well, nice. You'd let them know, yes. I think that, so. We, we are going to do it that. The Kings are off to Chicago this weekend, so uh, for the outro music today, we're going with Rise Against, one of the great Chicago punk bands, DB. That's a wrap on this episode, and uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Absolutely, John. We'll see you soon. at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.